You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. So go to our scripture reading this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's also turn to our text this morning, which is Psalm 131. A song of a sense of David. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus, I'll bet it happened to many of you recently, maybe even this past week. There you were, driving down the road, lost in your thoughts, thinking about something else, and And then all of a sudden, a car pulled right in front of you from a a side street or a driveway. You were forced to slam on the brakes. Your blood pressure went up. And perhaps your mouth said some words that it shouldn't. And maybe you thought to yourself, now if I was in that car, I wouldn't have done something so stupid, so inconsiderate. Couldn't that guy just wait? Road rage is just one of many things that cause people stress in our fast-paced society. People everywhere are faced with ever-increasing inner turmoil and anger. Thankfully, many people keep it bottled up inside, don't express it too much. But we do begin to see more and more outward expressions of it among all ages, including children. There's no doubt that we live in a time where many people are inwardly distressed. Now, this is widely recognized by many people. Many people try to bring solutions to this. You have, for instance, 
New Age gurus which promise inner peace through things such as yoga and, and Vedic healing. Psychologists, counselors, therapists. They have more than enough to do. And various cults will also try to bring you this inner peace. Maybe you have the Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking at your door. And they'll maybe ask whether you find peace. Whether you have peace in this world. Whether you're concerned about peace in this world. And so on. Because you see, the devil knows that the world is not at peace. He knows that we sense a problem. And he offers solutions that really are no solutions. In fact, the solutions that the devil has to offer us only make the problem much, much worse. Brothers and sisters, we need solutions from above. We need guidance from God and His revelation to show us the, the way of true inner peace. A way which isn't a, a phantom solution or a mirage, but the real thing. And in our psalm this morning, Psalm 131, David gives us the real thing. This King David, he also knew about inner distress. He knew about turmoil. You only need to read some of his other psalms to see that. David struggled with sin and its effects in this world. Also, the effects in his own heart, just like we do. However, God showed David the way of peace. And David, in turn, as the king of his people, puts these words into writing for his subjects to teach them. And he did it in a psalm that was written for those who were making their way up to Jerusalem for the appointed feasts. This is a, a psalm of ascents. In this psalm, God shows us how to find peace in a world that struggles with inner turmoil. And so I preached you God's Word this morning with this theme, the humble king shows the way of inner peace. We'll look at the origin, content, and outcome of this inner peace. Well, David begins this psalm by addressing God. He's speaking to Yahweh. You can see that in the fact that Lord is written there in all capital letters. As we heard before, we heard it last week as well, that indicates God's special covenant name, His personal name, Yahweh. The pilgrims going up to Jerusalem for the, the feast, they were going to worship this faithful God. The God who delivered them from bondage in Egypt. Israel's great Redeemer. Also the sovereign God in David's life. Were it not for God, David would never have become king over the people. All that David had and was, he, he owed to God. David realizes that, and that's why he states right at the beginning that his heart is not proud and his eyes are not haughty. David's humble before God. He knows that he is where he is today through the grace and mercy of Yahweh rather than through any merit of his own. This recognition is evidence that God is working in him. David is not boasting in himself. In spite of his royalty, his greatness, David knew his place before God. This was a man who stood in the line of the promise. And he, he is the one who had received the reassurance of God's covenant in 2 Samuel 7. At the same time, David knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he fell for, far short of the perfection that God demanded of his people. So the humble king shows his subjects that their lives too should always be characterized by humility. But there's more here than first meets the eye. David 
speaks to the Lord and tells Him about His heart and His eyes, but He also writes that He doesn't concern Himself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for Him. Now, at first glance, that might be a little bit confusing. We can raise all kinds of questions. Is, is David saying here that he's satisfied with knowing as little as possible? What are these great matters? Does this have to do with theology? Knowing about God? Or, or is this dealing with some other field of knowledge? You know, sometimes you have people in the church who are determined to remain ignorant when it comes to the deeper things of the faith. Say, so I don't have to learn anymore. I've already learned it all. Does, does David support those kind of people with what he says here? Well, to answer these questions, it's important that we pay attention, as always, to the context. Maybe you've heard that saying before that a text without context is a pretext. Context is always critical when we try to understand the Bible. Well, in the first part of verse 1, David's talking about humility. And when he speaks about concerning himself with great matters, he's just continuing that same thought. You can't break up verse 1. The term used here in the original for, for great matters is sometimes associated elsewhere with haughtiness. What David is saying here is that he doesn't concern himself with matters of pride. He doesn't waste his time thinking about his greatness and his power. This man, one of the most important figures in Israel's history, doesn't keep himself busy with pride. He carries this further when he says that he doesn't concern himself with things that are too wonderful for him. And what he's doing here is humbly recognizing his limitations. David knows what he can attain, what he can reach, and, and what he can't according to the way that God has shaped him and created him. These things that are too wonderful are, are things about God. Things about God's nature. Things that have not been revealed to David or to us by God. We could also think here of the working out of God's counsel. His promises concerning the Messiah. This was something that David couldn't dive into. He had to come to terms with that fact. No one is able to probe into the mind of God and dissect His thoughts and find out what's there. That's simply beyond us. See, David, with these words, he doesn't arrogantly set himself over God and His work. Also, the working out of God's promises, he realizes that men have limitations placed on them because they are creatures and God is the Creator. And it's this humility which is the origin of inner peace. True inner peace. The Holy Spirit shows us that the way of inner peace begins with a humble heart before God. It means recognizing who you are. That you're a sinner not worthy of receiving anything good from God's hand. It also means recognizing that you are a creature. A mere creature. Not capable of thoroughly comprehending the Creator and His ways. David knows who he is. And by his example, he's teaching his subjects to look at themselves the, the same way. Although he was the, the glorious king of Israel, David still knew that he fell far short of what God expected of him. David was humbled because he was sinful and he knew it. He was humbled because he knew he was a mere creature who couldn't know God in a comprehensive way. 
But about a thousand years later came David's greatest son, the Lord Jesus Christ. David foreshadowed him, but he could not be him. The Lord Jesus, like David, was humble, but for much different reasons than his father David all the time. He was sinless. And to meet the requirements of the law, he had to be humble. As we we read together from Philippians 2, it was also a necessary part of his suffering and his death for us. It says there in Philippians 2 that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ, our King, was perfectly humble. And that's all to our benefit. Christ's humility brought reconciliation with God for us. It brought true peace between God and man. Also inner peace. Knowing that our sins are forgiven. That we are now justified before the Father. True inner peace originates with humility. And when you reflect on it in light of what the New Testament tells us, true inner peace originates for us with the humility of Christ our King. But there's more to it than that. Of course, Christ the King, He also sends His Spirit into our hearts so that we too will humble ourselves recognizing our sin. Our calling is to fight against sin and the devil in this life with free and good consciences and hereafter reign with Christ eternally. We too have been anointed as kings. And Scripture clearly teaches that those who would reign as kings must first humble themselves. We have to humble ourselves before God, regularly confessing our sins. The way we think about ourselves, we ought to think of ourselves as mere creatures who worship a God who is far bigger than we can possibly grasp or imagine. But out of thankfulness for what God has given us in Christ, this humility also extends to our relationships with one another. There is absolutely, categorically, no place for pride in the life of a Christian. And we're often told, or we often hear about people having pride. We're proud of this and we're proud of that. Brothers and sisters, there is no place in the Bible which speaks about pride as being a positive thing. Humility is positive. Thankfulness is positive. But pride never is. There is no place for pride in the life of a Christian. And that's a truth that you can take with you in the car after church. That's a truth that you can take with you to work tomorrow or wherever else you may be going or doing. Humility is the essential and multifaceted origin of inner peace. The Lord Jesus brought inner peace between us and God through His work of humbling Himself. The Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts which brings this peace of Christ. And He also makes us willing and able to start being humble before Him and before our neighbors. The origin of this inner peace, even though we have a a role and a responsibility, is God's work from first to last. And knowing that, we can now begin to consider the content of this inner peace. 
In verse 2, David says that he's stilled and quieted his soul. It means he hasn't lifted himself up or exalted himself. And here again, you could look back over David's life as we have it described for us in the Bible and find many examples of that. In the early days after he was anointed, David left it up to God to remove Saul and, and Ishbosheth as well. In 2 Samuel 16, David allowed people like Shimei to curse him. From the, the picture that we get in the Bible, we see a man who never placed himself in the front. Sure, he, he fell into sin also in this respect. He wasn't a perfect man, but here in our psalm and elsewhere, he foreshadows, even though it's imperfectly, the Lord Jesus. And that's why he can say that his soul or his heart was not like a rising mountain, but rather like a level plain. That's the uh, picture that the words used here in the original text portray. There's this idea of, of leveling, making flat. That's expressed with those words for still and quiet. There's a direct connection here between the origin of the inner peace and its content. The one leads right into the other. This becomes even more clear when we look closely at the next part of the verse. David says that he has stilled and quieted his soul, and then he comes with a comparison between his soul and a weaned child. Of course, a weaned child is one who's just been taken off a liquid diet, usually breast milk, and is now eating solid food. David says that his soul is just like such a child with his mother. Now, if you think about it for a minute, such a comparison doesn't make a lot of sense. If you were to walk out of the church service right now and go to the nursery and take a look at the, the children who are weaned, I doubt that you would think about comparing your stilled and quieted soul to those children. Today, no one thinks of peace and quiet in connection with a weaned child. Well, then how then can, can David make this comparison? Well, you know, there's a great gap between us and David. There's a, a time gap. It's about 3,000 years. Long time. But there's also a cultural distance. People in the Near East, also today, they have many different practices in, in rearing their children than we do. We get children onto solid food as, as quickly as we can usually as, as soon as they're able. But in the ancient Near East, and in some other places even today, people would often, or children would often not be weaned until they're three years old, sometimes even older. And there's a lot of difference between a three- or four-year-old and a one-year-old. And when this is brought into the picture, then you begin to get a, an idea of what David is driving at. David is like the weaned child who say about three or four years old, getting a little bit older, the one who no longer agitates for food from his mother's breast. He's like a child who can be calm and, and relaxed sometimes with, it, with his mother, knowing that his mother loves him and, and cares for him and will provide for him. He understands. He's got no need to get all excited. Rather, his soul is calmed and quieted. Like that child with his mother. See, there are no... 30-foot-high waves in David's soul, no soaring mountain peaks lifted by volcanic action. Everything is calm and smooth. And that, again, that ties back into verse 1 and forms the heart of this psalm. 
Verse 1, David talks about humility. And in this verse, he speaks about calm and quiet. God wants to show us that humility, calm and quiet, they belong together. And the one leads into the other. Those who are humble have peace in their souls. They're not constantly agitating, trying to get themselves up higher on life's ladder. They're contented. There's no flurrying, no effort to put themselves in the center. So really, if you want to boil it down to one word, the content of this inner peace is contentedness. A quiet and peaceful state of mind and being. You can be satisfied, happy with where God has placed you. Not constantly striving and pushing for more. Feel no need to push yourself in front of everybody else. When also when it comes to the, the, the things that you've been blessed with, you're happy and thankful. Content. See, this inner peace is being at rest in God. Being secure and comfortable knowing that He is God and you are His child for whom He cares. Just like that child with his mother, when you're with God, walking in humility with Him, faith in Christ, you can know this inner peace which David's talking about, this sublime contentment. And of course, I want to stress that this peace is only possible by the power of the Spirit. Completely by God's grace that we can know this peace. It comes with faith in Christ. Looking to Him for everything. By the power of the Spirit, out of thankfulness for that free grace that we have, we also have to work on the humility which David and Christ both exemplified. That humility which is also expected in our lives, those who are in Christ. Just think of the words of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 18. He commanded us to humble ourselves as little children. See, because God saved us, we do have the beginnings of peace in our hearts. Yet, there's still work for us. God still places a responsibility on us to humble ourselves before Him and one another. And that will bring fruit. The fruit of greater peace and contentment. And then we won't be agitating for personal fame and ambition. Rather, as we'll see further in our third point, we'll always be looking to God for contentment rather than ourselves. So now we come to look at the outcome of this inner peace. God wants His people to read this psalm, to sing this psalm, to pray this psalm. And, and, and by doing that, to see the attitude of their king and follow it. David has shown that he trusts in Yahweh, the God who made His covenant with him and also with the people in general. And so now he turns to the people and he addresses them directly. He says, people, don't look to yourselves. Rather, hope in Yahweh now and forevermore. The king doesn't look to himself. He knows that he's a sinner. That's a big part of why he has to be humble. He knows who he is before such a great God that he's a creature. So should you. There's no reason for pride. There's no reason to look to yourself for anything. In every way, David wants to direct the attention of his people upwards to their God. David's reasoning goes something like this. Since humility before God breeds contentedness, therefore you should hope in Yahweh. Since God is the source of this inner peace, since He gives all the meaning and depth to your contentedness, why would you look to yourself for anything at any time? 
always and forever look to God and hope in Him. Now, we should take a closer look at what that means, to hope in the Lord. And when you hope for something, you're waiting for it. You're expecting it. And what did that mean for the people of Israel? Well, their hope was directed towards deliverance from sin. They were waiting for the appearance of the Messiah who would make the final, the definitive atonement. You could think of people in Scripture like Simeon, who Luke tells us was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was eagerly waiting for the Lord's Christ. Luke also tells us about Anna, who after she met the Lord Jesus and His parents, she went about telling everyone who who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. People in Israel who were faithful, they heeded David's words. They hoped in the Lord. They looked to Him for the ultimate fulfillment of inner peace. But what about us? What does our hope in Yahweh look like? Well, Christ has already appeared once on this earth, but He's going to return. Just like Simeon and Anna eagerly looked forward to the first appearance of the Messiah, we ought to look forward to His second appearance. We do that by recognizing our sinfulness more and more, humbling ourselves before God, crying out more and more for the final deliverance from sin and evil. We see so much of the effects of the fall into sin in our lives. We see illness. We see death. We see many other things that distress us and bother us. The struggle continues. And so we still must hope with our eyes focused upwards. The ancient struggle will not come to an end by hoping in or trusting in ourselves. Our hope, our only help is in the Lord. And we noted at the beginning that Psalm 131 is a song of ascents. It would have been sung by the pilgrims who were going on their way to the appointed feasts in Jerusalem. However, this psalm is also a song of ascents for us today. It's a reminder to us that we are pilgrims drawing nearer to the heavenly Jerusalem. We live in this world. We drive down the streets and we have our cars cut off like everybody else. But we're not of this world. We don't belong here. We have the beginnings of inner peace here in this life, but we know that the ultimate fullness of peace will be in the life to come for those who believe in Christ and live in Him. Pilgrims. That's what we are. As pilgrims, we know the way of inner peace because our humble King has shown it to us. He's led the way. Opened it up for us. Inner peace is possible today, but only through the great King. The One who showed us in the greatest possible way what true humility looks like. David could only show it imperfectly, but Christ showed it perfectly in His suffering, His death. Also, what we're going to commemorate this morning with the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Now, He works in us through His Spirit. When we humble ourselves before God, then we are on the way to true inner peace. And we may not know the full measure of that peace yet here in this world, but yet it is ours in principle. 
And when the great King, the Son of David, returns on the clouds of heaven, true inner peace will be ours in overflowing abundance. Eagerly look forward to that day. And so keep looking to your faithful God. Humble yourself before Him, for He is the true and only source of peace in this world. Spirit says it to us in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.